Thank you for checking out the Faith City Church Podcast. We believe that you'll be blessed by today's message. And so we've been looking at this idea in the series, The Beautiful Mind, um, about the, the, the mind, the soul, which is the same thing. It's the spirit, soul, and body. And we know that the soul is the mind, the will, and the, mo- the emotions. Uh, we're going to talk about this some more next week. I literally think you could take four weeks on the soul itself. But last week we talked about the body. And then this week we're going to talk about the spirit. Uh, there's something interesting about us. We're a triune being. How many have ever heard of God as a triune being? Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And we're built in his image and likeness. And so we have this spirit, soul, and body ourselves. And so these three parts are all really very significant in us actually living out and being fully human. And a lot of times what happens is we begin to place a priority on one over the other, and then we start to live an unbalanced life. You know, we talked a lot about this, the idea about the bridge. I was telling you as I talked to Pastor Chris down in Palm Harbor, and we were putting some ideas together for the series, he says, you know what I see is I see that the soul, or we could say the mind, the will and the emotions, are a bridge between the body and the spirit. Because if you think about it, most of us live out of our soul. We do. The trick is to live out of your spirit, but not get rid of the soul. Does that make sense? So we have to live through the spirit. And so I want to talk about that some today. In fact, I want to look at a portion of scripture in the Gospel of John. Gospel of John. It's so good to see you. If it's your first time here this morning, we welcome you. If it's your first time online, uh, it's great to have you. I'm Pastor Andy. I'm the pastor here at Faith City. Pastor Kristen was leading worship. We got some great people here. And, uh, you know, maybe this is a place, if you're looking, that you may call home. So I'd say stick it out for a few weeks and see what it's all about. Uh, We'd love to have you. But this morning, I will look at the Gospel of John, chapter 4. And I want to look at verse 24. Jesus here is speaking to a Samaritan woman. A lot of us refer to her as the woman at the well. And there's a lot going on here. There's, first of all, she's a Samaritan. Secondly, she's a woman. And the thing that you did as a Jew, or I should say didn't do as a Jew, is you didn't converse or have a relationship with the Samaritans. There was some serious racism going on at the time. And... Um, not that it's changed that much in thousands of years, but this was a very patriarchal society, and so women were second-class citizens. And so they weren't even allowed to speak to their own husbands in public. It's, it's, I know, it's kind of crazy, right? Because I was at the mall the other day, and there was a lady speaking to her husband very loudly. <laughs> so we've grown a little bit. <laughs> but my point, though, is that this was a different society. And so Jesus is literally sitting at this well, and he's speaking to not just a Samaritan, but a Samaritan woman. But look at what he says to her right here. He says, that's the kind of people the Father is looking out for. What kind of people, Jesus? Look at this. Those who are simply and honestly themselves. Now stop right there for a second. To me, this can be mind-altering. This can change everything because Jesus came preaching the gospel which was repent 
right? Repent, metanoia in the Greek, it means to change your mind. Jesus said, I want you to change your mind. In fact, when he's talking to Nicodemus, he says, you must be born again. Born again was a term the Jews used for those who repented or changed their mind. If a Greek came in and wanted to follow the Jewish faith, they would say, you've now become born again. So there was this change. It was all about changing your mind. The apostle Paul says in Romans 12 too, that we're transformed, metamorphosed is the Greek word. It's this metamorphosis, a literal change from the inside out by what? The renewing of our mind. So the mind's very important. So Jesus comes and he's preaching, repent, change your mind for the kingdom of God is at hand. And then he says, it's within you. It's already here. So look what he says to this Samaritan woman who's not even part of the Jewish faith. The Jews would say that she's not a chosen. She's not special. She probably doesn't even know who God is or what he's about. And he says to her, God is looking for those who are simply and honestly themselves. Now, I've grown up in the church most of my life. My dad had this radical transformation. He was a you know, drug-taking, drug-selling hippie in the 70s, radically transformed by the love of God. Thank God. I'm so glad I grew up in a home where my dad had this experience. And then I found that I can't live off that experience. I had to have my own. And so I had this radical transformation with the love and grace of God in my life. And that's why I stand here before you today. Not perfect, but definitely have grown so much in the love of God and the grace of God and it's changed who I am from the inside out. So many times I would think it was up to me to do the right thing, to jump the right hurdle, to get through the right hoop in order to be okay. But Jesus is saying, I want, the Father wants those who are simply and honestly themselves. I'm not looking for you to fake it till you make it. I'm not looking for you to be the standard that someone else has put on you. I want you to be who I've made you to be. This is powerful. I want those who are simply and honestly themselves before him in their worship. I mean, you know, worship is relational. It's a relationship with God. And then he goes on to explain. He says, because God is sheer being itself. What does that mean, Jesus? It means God is spirit. Now, as human beings, we try to wrap our head around the idea of God, don't we? And you can see it all through Scripture. I mean, God is compared to uh, a mighty fortress, um, a rock. Uh, he's a refuge. He has female attributes. He, he has, I even say he. I'm used to that. That's just because it's patriarchal. It's kind of what we do. But, I mean, he, God has female and, and male attributes and characteristics. But the thing is, at the end of the day, God is spirit. But as human beings, we're trying to, to grasp and embrace this idea of God. And so we're always projecting our idea onto God. That's why you can go down the street. You can, go to, you can visit six different churches, and you'll, you'll get six different paintings of the face of God today. And I'm not necessarily saying that theirs is wrong. It's just a different angle. It's a different vantage point. And so I embrace and celebrate the different ideas we have because together it makes the whole of the body of Christ. But look, at God is sheer being itself. He's spirit. Those who worship him must do it out of their very being, their spirits, look at this, their true selves in adoration. Let's talk about this idea today in a message I entitled, A Beautiful Spirit. 
Now, a few years back, I read this article, and uh, it really got me in my heart, and I wanted to read it to you today. The actual title of the article is this, uh, King James Version Only Pastor Tests Positive for NIV. That's the New International Version. This is serious. I don't want you laughing this morning. This is very serious. This happened in Holly Springs, Mississippi a few years back. And here's the, the article. In a somber announcement, Pastor Philip Wallace confirmed to his congregation at Hartford Avenue Fundamentalist Baptist Church on Wednesday evening that he has tested positive for NIV. The man has pastored the congregation of 17 people for the past 30 years. Staunchly defending the purity of the scriptures as handed down to mankind in the authorized version, but confessed he may have contracted NIV while experimenting with other translations during his college years. <laughs> I am deeply, profoundly sorry to everyone that I've hurt, Wallace said to the three regular attenders of Wednesday night Bible study. While I publicly preach faithfulness to the original autographs of the King James Version in private, I have fooled around with other translations. And doctors have confirmed to me that I have, in fact, contracted NIV. Congregants gasp as they heard the news, having heard of the horrors of the dreaded condition, which can cause painful, dynamic equivalents to break out in one's organs, according to medical records and experts. Some who have contracted NIV have even died from the virus, though researchers at the Crossway have had limited success in curing the illness with their promised ESV treatment. You like this, Bruce? Wallace announced he would be stepping down from the pastorate as he and his family try to come to grips with the devastating news, further stating his thoughts and prayers would be with the congregation as the pulpit committee searches for a new pastor for the next four to eight years. Please also be in prayer for my family during this difficult time, he added before breaking into quiet sobs and leaving the building for the last time. At publishing time, medical records obtained by investigators confirmed that Pastor Wallace also tested positive for NASB, RSV, and even the deadly virus known only as the message version. Mm. Now, surely we just this morning, right? We're trying to be a little bit funny. I'm trying to break the ice. But there is a valid point to this story. There's so many who have gone to seminary and Bible college and Bible training those who know more Bible verses and where to find them than anyone else in their church. People who, you know, study the word and, and, and really dig into it, and that's great. But unfortunately, you can literally have a relationship with the book and know nothing about God, the author and inspirer. So many times we have this relationship that I would call and have said, Father, Son, Holy Bible versus Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Now, is the Bible important? Absolutely. The Bible is extremely important. We preach from Scripture. We talk from Scripture. We speak from Scripture. Every time we're at this pulpit, every time we're up here, every time we broadcast something on the Internet or put it out or a live stream or whatever it is, because we love the Bible. In fact, I've fallen more in love with the Bible in the last decade than I have my whole life. But I realized something that the Apostle John said that the word of God is Jesus Christ who was made flesh. And I understand when people say the word of God, they're referring to the Bible, but the truth is the word of God is Jesus. And whenever we go to the scriptures, 
we need to make sure that Jesus is there with us, showing us the way, especially the Old Testament. If you're going to wander through the Old Testament, take Jesus with you. Because if we don't, we get some really crazy ideas. And a lot of the times, the, the biggest issue is we're trying to read an ancient document in 21st century ideals. We can't do that. We have to understand when it was written, who wrote it, why they wrote it, who they wrote it to or for. If we don't, we read ourselves into every passage as if we're, we live 6,000, 4,000, 2,000 years ago. And how many know if that's the case, wow, well, happy 2,000th birthday. <laughs> but the truth is, we have to take Jesus on this journey. And what that takes is it takes this spiritual connection. The Bible is so very important because it points us to the living word which is Jesus. But think about this. I've asked this question before. Pete's asked this question before. What if we didn't have access to a Bible? What if we were illiterate? Do you know the majority of people in the time of Jesus were illiterate? The only stories they knew were the stories they were told. That's why it's beautiful that Jesus would tell parables and stories because it would draw people in to the truths of who God is and who they are. But they were stories. They weren't written down in books. They wouldn't be able to read it anyway. So my question is, if you don't have access to a Bible, if you don't have access to education and you're not literate, can you have a deep and close relationship with God? That, well, let me turn down my stuff here, sorry. But yeah, Jesus just texted me. He says, yes, you can. Good one. Thanks, Ed. I love a small church. We can just all preach. But I love this idea because it, as much as I love the Bible, if I don't understand portions of it, or maybe in my whole lifetime, I'm just digging in certain areas that I feel drawn to, I still can have deep, real relationship with God. How is that? Because it's spirit to spirit. There's a connection that we have. And when we have this connection, when we, begin, when we begin to awaken to this relationship, I love that the apostles use that language of being asleep and awakening. See, we're awakening to this relationship that's always been there. It's always been provided. God never went anywhere. He always wanted a relationship with mankind whom he created. When you begin to understand that, then when you read the Bible... We'll read it with a connection to God, and it will then bring a greater understanding of who he is and what he's about. It will bring a greater understanding of who I am, who you are, and, and how we tick and what we're all about. See, we should always see Jesus in the pages of the Old and the New Testament. There's shadows in the Old, and then we see the reality in the New. You follow me? And so probably the most important point I can make today is this, spirit, it's who we truly are. If we strip down the, the, the flesh, we call it last week the earth suit, the thing that keeps us connected to the earth, when you know that if, if your body dies, you're not here anymore, it keeps you connected. And so we're a spirit, that's who we truly are, with the soul, but it inhabits this body, encased in a body, this earth suit. But who you truly are is spirit. 
And I even look at this story where Jesus is speaking to this woman in a way, almost as if, if you could just see this woman at the well, you would understand that there's a divine connection here. You're just not seeing it, right? Jesus says, those who worship him must do it out of their very being, their spirits, their true self. So then we should not live by instinct, but by the spirit. And this is one of the hardest things to do. Paul talks about it in Galatians. In fact, Galatians 5.25, he says, if we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. How many are familiar with this? And so he's talking to the Galatians about disconnecting from old ideas because he preached the gospel to them. And then there were other peoples who were coming in behind them and trying to change things up. Uh, they called them Judaizers and trying to force some rules and some regulations on them. He's like, who has bewitched you? Why are you going back to this? And so in the midst of this, he goes, listen, guys, you are connected. So if you live in the spirit, he's not, it isn't a matter of if you do or not. He said, he's trying to explain to you, you do. So if you do, let us also walk in the spirit. Because how many know that we have this choice to walk in the flesh or to walk in the spirit? Every single day, we have these opportunities. And I'll be honest with you, sometimes I choose the flesh. Without a show of hands. Anyone else? Yeah. Because none of us are perfect. It is easier. It's much easier to do that. And so we use our natural senses because they were given to us for a reason to navigate the natural world. But in the spiritual world, we're told that we must walk by faith. It's only by faith that we can make sense of the things that we do not see. That's what the book of Hebrews tells us. And so when you think about it, to walk by the Spirit it means learning to make decisions from our spirit rather than our minds. Now, how many know the mind's important? Use your mind. It's okay. How many times as parents you're like, just use your head, please. Think it through. See, it's okay to think it through. But see, there's a difference when we start here with our true selves and begin to think from the inside out. But we first have to recognize that we're spirit just like God. That's who we truly are. I mean, again, this doesn't mean that our mind is useless. It's part of our soul and it's very necessary. I was thinking about this this morning as I was going over my notes and just praying. And I, I remember um, <clears throat> my little sister, Tabitha, it was, it was, I don't know why this just jumped out at me, but when she was really little, I remember that my mom would, was trying to teach her that the stove sometimes can be hot. And so I don't know if you've done this with your kids, but my mom would actually do this where she'd like go to touch the burner, she, uh, the, the, um, burner and she'd go, hot, hot. And I used to think, hot. It was our, like a little joke we do, hot, me and Jason. But, but little Tabby would be like, hot, hot. But what was my mom doing? She's teaching her that sometimes mom is cooking over the stove or baking in the oven. This area can be hot. Why? Because I don't want you to burn yourself. How, how many are glad that you have the senses like touch? I mean, if you didn't have the sense of touch, you could be talking to someone, you know, they're cooking, you're like, yeah, and you turn around, you lean on a burner like this, and you just wouldn't know until maybe your hand's virtually gone, 
down the bone or something, right? So touch is great. It's great that we have uh, these different senses like, like smell, right? Sometimes you might smell something. I didn't know this for years, but you know that natural gas, actually, they add the smell in so you know if there's a leak or something. You ever smell that? And you're like, oh, something, what's going on? What's going on? And you're like, oh, the gas burner was left on, but it wasn't lit. I'm glad I have a sense of smell before I lit up and smoked in the kitchen, right? <laughs> Sight and hearing is great. When you cross the street, you know that person that ran the stop sign or red light? You heard them coming, so you stopped, even though you had the right of way. See, these senses are important to us here on this earth, but it's allowing the spirit to influence the mind, the will, and the emotions. This makes sense. This is our soul. And sometimes we just, we know that, sometimes we know things that natural reasoning can't explain because we have what people call spiritual discernment. You ever just knew that you knew? I told this story before, and it usually gets me, but I remember one time I was in a hurry. I was trying to get somewhere. I ran outside. I jumped in my truck. I started it up, and I went to put it in reverse. And when I did, something inside me said, stop. I just, I felt it. It wasn't like an audible voice, like the clouds opened up and said, this is my son with him. Well, please don't go, right? But I just felt this stop. And, and I was like, okay, that's weird. And I looked around, and I'm like, that doesn't make sense. I went to put it in reverse again, and I felt it again. I'm like, I don't understand. Okay, whatever. I'm not going to. I got on my truck. I walked around the back to see what it was. And my little son, Aiden, was playing behind the truck. And I didn't know he was there. That could have been a tragedy. Now, every sense within me was, I have to get to the hardware of the store. She's missing a seasoning. I don't know. I was going somewhere quick. But spiritual discernment told me to stop. And I'm glad that I listened. This is why we have to be... We have to awaken to the truth of who we are, that we're spirit, we're connected to spirit. And, and listen, spirit knows more than this natural realm, and so connecting to it, it's not weird. It's not, I know there's movies out there with ghosts and all this stuff. I'm not talking about this. I'm talking about a supernatural, holy thing, this connection that we have. In fact, the reason that you woke up this morning, you had your bacon, your eggs, your coffee, and you're sitting here, you drove here, the very fact that you're animated is because you're animated by the Spirit of Christ. In him we live, move, and have our being. That is who you are. You are spirit. If you don't walk away with anything else today, I want you to, you know, I want you to walk out and go, you know what? I am spirit. That's the truth of who I am. I mean, have you ever asked yourself the question, why do I do the things I do? You know, when am I going to make better and different decisions? Now, especially at this time of year, we talked about it a few weeks ago. We begin to think about why do I do what I do? Why am I making these decisions? I want to make new and better decisions. And I believe that that's inspiration by Holy Spirit for you to make better decisions, for you to have a better life. But we ask ourselves these questions. Why do I do the things I do? When am I going to make better decisions? Decisions. Why? Because every decision I make, every decision you make, it has an outcome. A decision to walk in the Spirit has an outcome. A decision to walk according to the flesh, it has a definite outcome. The bottom line is this. The more we realize who we are, the more our actions and words will line up with who we are. Because sometimes... I'll just speak for myself. For years, I thought, man, that's who I am. And it was a sum total of my thoughts, my actions, and my words. That's who I am. 
Now, sometimes your thoughts, actions, and words don't line up with who you truly are, but that isn't the sum total of who you are. You're who God has called you to be and made you to be. Your spirit. But see, we have to start with spirit. When we begin to live a life from the inside out, it begins to influence. We talked about this before. That Holy Spirit is like an influencer within our thoughts, our mind, will, and our emotions. But if we just choose to live by the flesh and the natural all the time, listen, God still loves us. He still cares about us. You've got eternity secure. It's all good. Well, what about the life here and now? We talk about it all the time, don't we, Mo? What about the life here and now? There's things to do now for kingdom. I'll be honest with you. I'm not looking for ways to get out of this world. I love The world, meaning just like God, for God so loved the world that he sent his only son. God loves the world. You should love the world. I'm not talking about systems. I'm talking about people. The systems can just, whatever sometimes. You're like, these systems, they're messed up. Yeah, they're human-made systems. But that's why we get to choose to live out of kingdom or by spirit. And let me clue you in to who God says you are. He says that you're righteous, you're holy, you're pleasing, and you're acceptable. See, some of us don't see ourselves like that because we know what we did last night. I know what you did last summer. I know someone, I was trying to catch who saw that movie back in the 90s. But see, we live out of our actions or what we think we are And God is like, no, 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 you have to see that you are righteous, holy, pleasing, and acceptable. And when you begin to see that, you will begin to walk out a life that bears the fruit of righteousness, holiness, being pleasing, and acceptable. So what happens when we get it? When we understand and see what God has done and who he has made us to be? We'll look back at John chapter 4. I want to start in verse 3. Look at this. We're going to read some of the story because this is powerful here with the woman at the well. It says this, so he left Judea and returned to Galilee. Look at this next verse. It says he had to go through Samaria on the way. Now, some translations, actually in the original language, it was almost like he had to go this way. Not like I have to. There were other routes, but something within him. Because, let me say this, Jesus understood that spirit was his true self. He understood the connection he had with Father. That's why he could say the things he said, and he could, he could receive and, and embrace the people he embraced, even though religion couldn't and others couldn't. Jesus could because he understood the spirit thing. That's why he could speak to the Samaritan woman the way he did because there weren't uh, labels as far as Jesus weren't cons- was concerned. There weren't borders. There weren't lines. We all were on level playing field. We all were connected to spirit. And so it says as he had to go. Something within him said, I must go. In some denominations, we call it divine appointment. There's a place I have to go. There's a reason I need to go this way. Maybe some of you have done this. Why did I turn right to go when I could have went left? And then you find out later because you happen to bump into someone or a situation happens. You're like, oh, okay, I see God was leading my steps. I believe God will lead your steps. We just have to listen. We have to be aware. It says he had to go through Samaria on the way, eventually he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar, near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Verse 6, 
Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Say noontime. Right after this statement, look at this in verse 7. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water. When did she come? You know, in this culture, the women, whether it be the servants, the wives, whoever it would be, they would come to the well in the morning, in the cool of the morning. They would fill up their, their urns or whatever the word was, their, their you know, jars, their clay pots, and they would carry them back because that's a woman's job, obviously, right, Pete? They would carry them back. But they would do this in the morning. This was tradition, so they would have water throughout the day. No one came at noon, the hottest point of the day. Why was this woman coming at noon when no one else was around? We're about to find out. Because there's a lot of history here. Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because the disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. And the woman was surprised. Why? Well, we talked about it. For Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. Here we go with the labels, right? This is how we're conditioned. Even in this day and age, we are conditioned to see people with labels over their head. Same thing. I mean, it's not too much different than now, right? But look at this. He said, she says, so why are you asking me for a drink? This doesn't fit. This doesn't click. We shouldn't even be talking right now. Look at the response of Jesus. He said, if you only knew the gift God has for you. What? If you only knew the gift that God has for you, the gift was already there. She just didn't know. That is the life journey. The gift is already there. You just don't know. So awaken to it. Look at this. And he says, in who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. She says, I love this response, but sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket. See, she wasn't getting it yet. She said, and this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer better water that he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. Talking about the well water, right? How many have well water? <laughs> Look at this. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them, what's the next two words? Eternal life. This is why it's important to understand phrases in the Bible. We've talked about this that when the Jews would ask, what must I do to inherit eternal life? They weren't talking about eternity. In a Jew's mind, they were thinking, what is the best, highest level of living? What is the best life I can live right now according to Torah? That's what eternal life meant. And he's saying, if you would just drink of the water I can give you. See, this wasn't about a natural thing. This was a spirit thing. Are you picking up on this? He says, you'll never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring from within, and it gives you the life that you've been searching for all along. It comes from me. I'm the source of living water. She says, please, sir, give me this water. Now, I've read this before, and I thought, oh, man, she had the salvation experience. She's like, give me that water. 
this is amazing. I spiritually want to be, uh, you know, awakened to the truth of who I am. But then I thought about this for a minute. If she had a water that she would never become thirsty again, she would never have to come back to the well and possibly face these ladies who would cut her down because of her life and her past. For her, it's like, just give me this. I don't have to come back to the well. Give me this water. So she still wasn't quite getting it. She says, give me this water, then I'll never be thirsty again, and I won't have to come here to get water. Isn't that awesome? Now, I was doing a little, just a side note on this, a little study, and scholars have noted that this story appears to be modeled on a standard engagement scene that we see in Hebrew scripture, which is in Genesis 29 with Jacob. Remember Jacob? Who does he meet at the well? Rachel, yeah. And so here's Jesus. And so we see that he's actually subverting this story by presenting in this story Jesus as the bridegroom of the Jewish people. In fact, uh, there's an earlier scene when uh, John the Baptist is with Jesus and he compares his relationship to Jesus with that of the friend of a bridegroom. So we're seeing this whole marriage idea. In fact, this is really cool. At Mount Sinai, when the Jews, when, when God requested that they come to the mountain so he can give them instruction, you know that even to this day, the Jews celebrate that time as a marriage ceremony? They literally see this marriage to God, spirit to spirit. I thought that was cool. But look at verse 16. This, is, this gets really interesting. Jesus says, go and get your husband. Look at the response. I don't have a husband. Look at the response of Jesus. You're right. You don't have a husband. For you have had five husbands, and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. And then he says this, you certainly spoke the truth. Now, I used to read this and not realize that Jesus was doing what we call the sandwich technique. He's like, that's right, you don't. Like, he's encouraging her, and he says, in fact, you've, you've had five husbands, and the one you're with now isn't even your husband, but you've spoken the truth. Do you realize that Jesus wasn't even bringing shame to her? He was trying to reveal to her that he knew her from the inside out. Isn't that awesome? In fact, when you read this, think about at one portion of Scripture, this is so cool, Jesus actually says, that And it was put into the law that if a man divorces a woman, he needs to give her a letter of divorce. Now, we've taken this all kinds of crazy ways. But you've got to understand in this society that, and I was thinking about this woman, had this happened to her? You know that a man could just leave his wife, and if he didn't give her a letter of divorce, she couldn't remarry? And so Jesus was backing up the law saying, no, no, no. That's underhanded. You're not going to do that. If you're going to leave your wife, you give her a letter of divorce so she can remarry. Why? Because in this time, a woman's livelihood, her whole life, the fact that she could live and eat and have shelter was by marriage. And these women were left poor and desolate. And pretty much the only job that they could do was sell their bodies as prostitutes to live. And Jesus was saying, no. The law was saying, no, you're not going to treat women this way. So I look at the story and I'm thinking, well, no wonder Jesus didn't bring shame. I mean, she's been through five husbands. Was it even her choice to leave or did they just leave her poor and destitute? See, sometimes it's so easy to just judge people based on what we see and what we think we hear, but there's always more to the story. And I believe that Jesus was reassuring her, listen, I know your past. But I just told you 
that you can drink of the living water. I just told you that you're connected to the, to the, to the divine. And then he says this, look at this. Or she says this. She goes, sir, you must be a prophet. And then she says to him, so tell me, why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship while we Samaritans claim it's here at this mountain where our ancestors have worshipped? Look what Jesus says, believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. Look at verse 23. He says, but the time is coming. Say, the time is coming. tickle there he says but the time is coming indeed it is here now say here now when true worshipers will worship the father in what spirit and in truth give me a sec god it's getting better amen (laughs) but look at this The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. What way? In spirit and in truth. The other version said, as your true selves, who you truly are. For God is spirit. So those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. The woman said, I know the Messiah is coming. The one who is called Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. And just like dropping the mic, Jesus says, I am the Messiah. Boom. Say boom. This was a life-changing moment. Look at this. Just then as disciples came back, (laughs) this whole experience is going on and look at their response. They were shocked to find him talking to a woman, but none of them had the nerve to ask, what do you want with her? Why are you talking to her? It's like clueless, just walking in, right? Look at this. The woman, this is huge to me. This last part, we're getting ready to wrap up, but I want you to see this. Verse 28. What was the woman there to do? Because she was thirsty. Look what she does. The woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village telling everyone, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? I would have to say that she drank of the water that she would never thirst again. She left the very pot, the reason she was there. But look at this. So the people came streaming from the village to see him. Now, I want us to think about what happens when we awaken to our spiritual connection. Because that's what's happened to this woman here at the well. Think about what happens when Jesus shows you who you really are. This woman had been divorced five times. She's now living with a man who she wasn't married to, who who she wasn't married to. And she became an evangelist of the gospel. She got the whole village to come and see Jesus. Come on, isn't that amazing? And this is really cool. If you look historically into this, in early church tradition, the woman's name at the time of her meeting with Jesus is unknown. Did you guys see a name there? But she later in history was given a name. Her name was Fatina, which means the luminous one. She's actually a celebrated saint of renown. 
And, and as we just read, she was quick to spread the news of her meeting with Jesus. And through, many, or through her, many came to believe. She became an evangelist for Jesus, not just for her town, but historically for you know, the world around her. And she continued the witness to so many people that said yes to Jesus. And she was even described as equal to the apostles. One meeting with Jesus at a well. Tradition also states that Fatina was put to death in Rome after converting the daughter of the emperor Nero and 100 of her servants to Christianity. And so with all this going on, eventually it drew the attention of Emperor Nero. He uh, brought her before him. She was tortured. She was beaten. And eventually she was killed. Get this. She was thrown down a dry well. She became a martyr for the gospel. But brought literally hundreds, if not thousands, to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. As Jesus followers. One meeting with Jesus, not a chance meeting. It was a meeting where Jesus was compelled to go. He needed to go through Samaria. And I'd have to say that for each one of us, there's been a moment, or maybe there will be a moment in our life where we felt as if Jesus had to go to be with us because we needed that meeting with Jesus. We needed to awaken to the truth of the spiritual connection. That spirit is who we truly are. See, when we understand who we are, we will walk out who we are, or at least begin to. And so everything starts there. The body's important. Health is important in the body so we can stay here on planet Earth and, and do what God has called us to do. But, but listen to me, if we don't connect spirit to spirit or at least awaken to the connection that's already there, how do we fulfill the purpose that we have in life? How do we benefit from everything that God has already provided for us? You see, just like the Samaritan woman, you may have baggage. I may have baggage. You may have things that you're not proud of in your life that you've done or you've said. Maybe you've made way more mistakes than you think are even forgivable but the truth is, you are forgiven, you're pleasing, you're acceptable, you're holy, and you're dearly loved by God. That's who you are. Say, that's who I am. I'm dearly loved by God. And I believe that God wants you to awaken to the truth of who you are, because when you do, listen, when you do, you will begin to live out who you truly are. Because the Spirit, this is who we truly are. Repeat after me. Spirit, it's who I truly am. Stand with me. Say it again. Spirit, it's who I truly am. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your love toward us. We thank you that you promised to never leave us and never forsake us. Even on my worst day, I can't scare you away because you're a good, good father. You care about me. 
you care about us, you care about what we're going through. And even in the, the midst of saying the wrong things or maybe bad habits or addictions or we just keep seem, we seem to keep falling in this certain particular thing, even in the midst of that, all you're doing is you're trying to awaken us to the truth of who we are. Because when we begin to see that, we'll make different decisions. We'll make better choices. And so this morning I pray that Maybe for some of us, this was a good reminder of, oh yeah, that's right, I am spirit. It starts from there. But maybe for others, they've never heard this before. This is something new to them. Maybe it's foreign. I pray, Spirit, that Holy Spirit, you would be working through the hearts of people this week to show them who they truly are. Say this with me, Heavenly Father. Thank you for your grace. I thank you that you've called me, that I have purpose. Holy Spirit, begin to reveal the truth of who I am and what I'm called to do. And if there's any area in my soul where I'm believing lies about you, others or myself reveal those to me and Jesus I give you permission to bring healing in my life I receive the healing I embrace the healing in Jesus name I am loved and everyone said amen isn't God good? Remember, spirit is who you truly are. And the more that you understand that, the more that's revealed in that, the more that you live out of that, and it will change your life. You will live differently. You'll speak differently. You'll be a different person. And don't be surprised if people go, whoa, what happened to you? It's like, I got in touch with my real self, who God has actually made me to be. Amen. So dwell on that this week. I hope that blessed you. Be back next week. We're going to be wrapping up this series called Beautiful Mind. It's great to have you with us here in person and also online. We're praying for you. We love you so very much. And we'll see you again next week at 10 a.m. Have a great week. For more information about Faith City Church, please go to faithcity.tv. As always, we pray that you would grow in the knowledge and grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.